Hey there. And welcome to In One. It's been a while. It has been. Rito, what have you been up to? Um, I've been between some jobs, and that's been fun. What jobs? So I was an environmental consultant, and I really didn't like it that much. Uh, so I left. And it's okay to put that out in the air now. Right, because it was, it was, I was miserable there. Right. Yeah, so then I got a job at a hospital uh-huh. as a patient care host. Okay, so which I, you're technically still doing. I'm still doing that. Okay. Right. But I did give him my two weeks already. Okay. Right. And how many weeks ago? <laughs> uh, like two weeks ago. So I have two. It was actually a month in advance, but it was my two weeks. Right. Because of the schedule. Exactly. Okay. You need to let them know a month in advance. Right. Right. Um, so I did that to get a feel for the hospital atmosphere. Right. And I just got accepted to nursing school. Congratulations. Accelerated. Thank you so much. So now I got a part-time job at Whole Foods. Oh, where's the Whole Foods at? It's in, it's in Lancaster. Very exciting. It's at the Belmont. What, right, that just opened, right? Yeah, it just opened. So for anyone that hasn't been to Whole Foods and you live near Lancaster... You should totally check it out. You should. Because I know someone that works there, too. A couple people, actually. Right, but one of them is, is you. That, that's true. I also got a part-time job. Right, and our friend Jordan transferred from his store to and, the Lancaster store. And he's there full-time right now. So. But we both work there part-time, and we all work there together. Emphasis on seeing Jordan more, though. Right, than we used to. Right, proper. Because he's full-time. <laughs> so anyway with all that being said is that we've been pretty busy yeah well we just explained where you've been but that's true <laughs> right that's true so Drew where have you been um, I've been working really mostly I mean we're both now training for um, a half marathon and a marathon that's correct in the fall so a lot of time goes to that too and um I think we're getting a handle on reorganizing everything. Yeah, and we're trying to move. That's another Yeah, that's another thing. So that's what's up with us. But today's episode, we're going to jump back into it. Yep, so we've had these stories lined up for a while. Um, so sorry it took this long to get them out there. Um, Vito, can you give us a refresher on what this week's... Right, so this week's topic is foreign affairs. So... We tried uh, finding people to talk to that have either traveled abroad for school or for a missions trip, or maybe they were from there, and we got some of their takes on what foreign affairs means to them, and we got some some pretty good ones lined up. Right on, and we also had someone submit a story. That is true. Through our form, which if you haven't done yet, you should definitely submit a story. It can be about an episode's theme that already aired, or one that's coming up. Without further ado, let's get into it. Episode 4. Foreign Affairs. So we're going to start off this episode with the story that was submitted to us by Hannah Kim. And she went on a missions trip to Haiti. Correct. So Drew is going to read for us what she submitted. Yes, and I'm going to read this verbatim. Verbatim. 
Verbatim? Verbatim. 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 Okay. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Here's what Hannah Kim had to say. I went on a missions trip to Haiti in 2011, and it changed my life. It was after the earthquake back in 2010, and the area was in shambles. I had never seen people so happy despite their quality of life. People were naked because they didn't have clothes and lived in little huts and villages, yet they seemed so happy. It made me really reflect on my life and think about how lucky I am to have everything that I have and made me think that you don't need all those materialistic things in the world to truly be happy. I think about those people a lot and I think about where they are now or what they are doing. All I know is that they are enjoying the life despite all of the heartache and hardships they have faced. Wow, that's an incredible story. Yeah, so um, after seeing all of this in Haiti, it actually inspired Hannah Kim to become a teacher, which is what she does now. Right, which is, it's awesome that travel was able to give that to her, because I feel like there's so many things that travel offers, but it's cool that it gave her not only this new perspective on life, but also her career and what she wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think being in a landlocked state like Pennsylvania, um, you know, we're sort of spoiled that we don't have to worry about seasonal um, storms like hurricanes. Um, And we certainly don't have to worry about earthquakes as much as other states around us. Um, It's true. I feel as though the only storm warnings you get are like tornado watches. Right. And those often don't happen. But yeah, thank you so much, Hannah Kim. It's not a lot of people get the opportunity to travel. So that's why we love it when people write in and they get to share an experience that other people may have never known existed or was even possible. Um, So thank you for giving us that perspective and sharing that experience that you had with your time in Haiti. And thanks for volunteering your time. All right, Vito, who's up next? Up next, we have uh, my good friend Naveen. He was actually born and raised in India and came to America when he was pretty young. Um, so he gives us his perspective on what it was like being the new kid in America and being the foreign student and kind of the struggles and stuff that he had to deal with when he came over initially. What's going on? (laughs) So this month's episode is about foreign affairs. So we're interviewing people who have studied abroad or went on a missions trip or grew up in a different country. And you grew up in India. (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did. Yeah, and so how long did you live there for? Uh, I actually lived there till I was 10. So I moved to America when I was like 10, 10 and a half. So is that like 6th grade or like 5th grade? Yeah, around there. Gotcha. So did you notice that the schooling system was any different? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's huge difference because here we're more taught in a way to understand the material and apply it. Um, there you pretty much have to know everything, every little detail you can think of. Would you say that like American teaching is much more straightforward of like this is what you're going to learn, this is the curriculum, where... Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't say straightforward is the word. Um, I like the way it's set up here in a way that you have to understand the material rather than just blindly memorize. Right. One of the things that I remember learning in India, we just have to memorize and be able to answer the questions, which you didn't really need to understand the material. So a lot of consuming and then regurgitating you know, what you learned. Pretty much. You're just like putting out what you memorized and putting it on the paper. Right, right, right. So, would you say that the culture in India was different from America? I'd say so. I, I'd say so. And is that something that you struggled with? Like, moving here and stuff at such a young age? I did. I did. I asked it a lot. Because, um, obviously, I didn't I couldn't speak well. So, I had, to, I had to learn the language, which was difficult. And be able to adapt to everyone, like, making friends here. That was very difficult. But I guess once I got into the group of things, it was, it was a lot easier. And did you have any prior experience with English before you came over? Uh, I mean, I knew the words. Uh, I, I know what they meant. May not do great detail, but I knew if someone like wrote down a sentence, I'd be able to know what they're saying. But understanding what people are speaking is totally different, right? Right. So that was the hardest part for me. And so, did you guys have access to like American television, or is that something that you guys didn't really watch over there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah we actually have seen uh, TV shows, too. Like, I used to watch WWE, Pokemon, all oh. American TV shows, but, I mean, it's, it's not the same, you know? You don't you just watch it because it's like, oh, it looks cool, you know? But here, people, like, follow it, and it's different. So, like, were you able to relate to it at all because it was so different from what you were used to, or was it just entertainment? Not, not really. To me, it was just a, to me, it was just a TV show. Like, oh, funny, cool, huh? Right. So, when you first came to America, what state did you go to? Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. And how long were you there for? Uh, like less than a year. What brought you and your family to America in the first place? Uh, my mom. So, my mom used to work for a company that was linked to an American company. And because of her work, they wanted her to do more things in America, so they brought her over, and through her, all of us came over. Gotcha. And so, from Connecticut, where did you go after there? Uh, Pennsylvania. And that's where you guys settled? Yeah, we were, we were in Pennsylvania for like 10 years. Now, uh, my parents live in Michigan, so they move around quite a bit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wow, I, I did not know your parents moved to Michigan. Yeah. Has that, yeah. Been, hard, has that been hard for you? Uh, I mean, I, I should only go there between grades, and they moved before I moved to Mexico, so I see them during, like, summer or winter break, that's about it. Uh, I guess, having been here for so long and being able to talk to your family, do you guys feel like coming here was was the best move? Uh, I'd say so, because, uh, so our, so I grew up with my grandma, and when, so my grand, when my grandma passed away, we knew that we wouldn't be able to have the same lifestyle slash, like, our family in the same place. Right. And my mom was in America, and we were all in India. We knew we were going to settle somewhere, and I, we thought the best place was America since my mom was working here already. Right, that makes sense. And so you feel like you've had better opportunities? Uh, I, I, I'd say so, yeah, because... Uh, I don't know if I'd be in med school if I was still in, America, in India. Now I'm in med school here. 
and, and this is what I want to do. It's a lot harder to get with It's a different type of uh, competition in India. It's not the same way I would get in here. So it's a lot more competitive uh, in India? It is competitive in a different way because not everyone can go to med school. I mean, obviously here too, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, so the top, I'd say, like, top 1%. Because I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself the top 1%, I would, so I wouldn't be able to go to med school. Gotcha. And how do they determine that? Is that all through just the grading system there? Uh, yeah. So they have a big uh, exam, like our SATs, but they have a huge exam. Uh, saw, I started junior year in high school, and they have another exam senior year. So they're two big exams to determine your score. Wow. And does your whole family speak English as well? They do. They do. Um, did you find it difficult to learn the language? Because I know a lot of people say that English is like the hardest language to learn. <laughs> it, it was, but um, I guess because I was surrounded with everyone, I was constantly surrounded with people that only spoke English. I didn't have any choice but to learn and pick it up fast, right? Right. So when, when you're put in a situation like that, you're going to learn really fast. So I picked it up really quick. That's good. <laughs> and does you, so what language did you speak in India? Tamil. It's a South Indian language. So there are actually 28 states in America and in India, and there's 26 languages. So each state pretty much has its own language. So do, do a lot of people from India like know how to speak more than one language then? Because, I mean, if they traveled Some somewhere... Some do. Some do, but most don't. We can understand two or three languages, but we can't speak it. Okay. And do you speak? Yeah. Do you still speak your language at home, like when you go to visit and stuff? Yeah, fluently. Mm-hmm. I can read and write as well. Wow. And so, so do you guys? Are there certain situations in which you speak that language? Yeah, yeah. We are at home. I mean, I speak with my parents in in my own language in Tamil. In my with my brother, I speak with him and I'm speaking English. It depends. I guess it depends on the situation. When you guys are in public, do you ever speak about people in your language so they can't understand you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that, that's one of the perks of it. That's so funny. I would use that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, mom, this guy right now <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I used to I talk smack about you all the time when you were around. Well, I think that does uh, it. <laughs> His first kicking came on January 1st They said welcome to the club We'll take your shoes and your shirt And he wore his nosebleed like a red rosette And it was a prize he would win Again and again and again So I feel like now that we're in summer Like people just keep posting pictures of them on vacation Or at the beach Or in random places Right And I've been seeing this a lot on like Instagram Okay and other forms of social media, and I feel like summertime is when people are like, I went here, I went there, and this is what I did, and who I did it with. Right, bragging rights, where you've been. Right, and that's, it's just all over the place, among with other things. So that's what I've been noticing. Yeah, so you've been noticing some trends? Yeah, some like Instagram trends. Okay. But not just like, travel-wise, right. just like in general. Well, here, why don't, why don't you go through your Instagram, and okay. I'll go through my Instagram feed right now, and we'll just pull out um, 
two trends each. Okay. See going on. Now these are now are these trends that we just noticed between pictures, or is this like an it's like a hashtag? Or just, just picture like themes. Picture themes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Do you have Instagram up? Yeah, Instagram is is up and running. All right. I'm gonna give a quick 15 second scroll. Okay. Yeah, take some time. Really think about these trends that you've been seeing. And ads don't count. That felt important to say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you want to... Do you think you're prepared to go first? Yeah. My first one, not a strong... Not a strong uh, contender, but I would say today it seems pretty diverse. Um, I'm going to go with haircuts. Haircuts? Haircuts. Really? Yeah, I guess I could just be a selfie. <laughs> okay, so selfies, but an emphasis on haircuts. Yes. No, it's interesting. I did see someone say, like, chopped. Like, it's finally been chopped. Okay. Much needed. Like, as if their hair has been a problem for a long time, and, like, now was the time to, like, really cut it. Right. Free bird. Yeah. Um, I'll go. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of people from my high school, I guess they had children, Okay. And they just they just post a million photos of their baby, and I know on Instagram now you can post several pictures within one post, but they decide to just post one at a time. One at a time, but it's all within like five minutes of each other. That's a bold move. So I'm wondering what happened within the five minutes. Where they're like, that one wasn't good enough. I need another one. Or wow, this one's cute too. People need to see this. Or maybe they're just going for multiple likes. Maybe, but would your likes be more, like? separated I don't like, know have a kid and start posting separate I guess that's what I have to do alright back to me okay um see I follow mostly bands so I'm I'm struggling is there, is there a theme within the bands <laughs> yeah they're playing music <laughs> I guess that's expected <laughs> I'm gonna go with alright second one this is bold okay Skies. Skies? Yeah, people have just been pointing their phones at the sky lately and taking pictures. Is, of, you know, the clouds or just like the natural light. And is there anything in the, in the sky? Sometimes there's like a pole or a tree line. But yeah, like I was going to... We're doing a wide open sky. Now, do you think they're, they're taken with like purpose or is just like the sky looks really nice today? I'm gonna I need to post about say, this. Sky looks nice. Gonna post it. Now, do you think it's necessary to post a picture of the sky that other people can see? That's a that's a hot take. Uh, I personally don't, but I could see why someone would want to um, take a picture of the sky. Although I feel like all photo credit should go to the sky. That's true. Not really doing any work. Yeah. So, like, if you took a picture of the sky. Yeah, I'd be like, How would you give the credit to this guy? Uh, photo credit to um, probably like a light prism emoji or something. Okay. I like that. Hmm. Okay, I got one. Alright. Animals. 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 And sometimes it's not even people's pets. It's just random animals. Okay, but to be fair, you do that. I have done that. That's true. <laughs> I do that. You just did that, actually. I did. Dogs. 
Yeah, I did do that. I did that with ducks. <laughs> That's so true. I forgot. That's accurate. Yeah. But like one is just of a fish. I don't know anything about this fish. Right. There's no words. It's just a fish. <laughs> That's cryptic. Right. And then there's one of a cat just staring at the camera. Now, is that pretty cool? I guess so. I don't know how hard it is to get an animal to look at your phone. It's probably difficult. I know my dog does not like that. No, unless I, like, tell my dog we're going to the car. She doesn't, like, pay attention. It's because she likes your dad more. That's true. It's disgusting. All right, well, that wraps it up for Instagram trends. <laughs> Catch us uh, next episode to find out what your friends are posting. Yeah, because we'll get... conglomerates of. <laughs> we'll know, and we'll call them out. <laughs> All right, who's up next in our storyline? So, next in our storyline is uh, my good friends Ben and Amy. We've spoken to Ben before. Right. But now we're talking to him and his wife. Right. So a recap, Ben was Ben joined us last um, to talk about love. He did, yeah. And he talked about his relationship with Jesus and about his relationship with Amy. But now we get to actually hear from Amy, which is really cool. Perfect. And they uh, both go on mission trips pretty often. And they give us a, a little snapshot of their mission trips. Let's get into it. the definition most people are going to be thinking about when they think about a missions trip, like, you know, from media, things like that. I think they're thinking about like the one week, two week trip to some, you know, third world place to do some kind of like either manual labor or provide some type of service. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Or like a secret mission. It's a missions trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mission impossible. Yeah. Right. But no, I normally picture like people building houses or yeah. like talking to people about, like, I think, I'm assuming Jesus. I don't know. Right. I think so. I mean, I think that's been most of our experiences like through the church. Um, I mean, there's been other ones that I've gone on that have been kind of more, yeah, a different focus, but I... I think when you say missions trip, that's I think that's what comes to mind first. Yeah. So, yeah. have you been anywhere like internationally for a missions trip? Yes. <laughs> Where have you been? We both have. <laughs> Do you want to? You say yours first. I went to Senegal, Africa, and then I also went to Nicaragua. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go, Ben? I went <laughs> when I was in high school. I went to Ethiopia which is on the other side of Africa. And then um, been to some other places with other people <laughs> <laughs> at times. Doesn't sound shady at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, places in Asia and then also in Europe. Yeah. And were those both through your 
church at home or was that or is it always through a church i mean i think mostly it happens through the churches because at, at least for my church and you can speak to this but our our church has an ongoing partnership with people um in the city that we were at in ethiopia so it just made sense that it was through the church because um they send at that time it's changed recently but at you know at that time they were sending three trips a year you know to do different things um our trip uh, was mostly construction. Like there, there's a lot of problems with water being safe to drink. And so we built like a chlorination device that was going to help the community. Um, but some other trips to only take like medical personnel. So, but I'm not like medical at all, you know, so I, I didn't go on that one and yeah, I wouldn't have been of help at all. <laughs> right. So right now, if I gave you the equipment to build that chlorination device... Do you think you'd be able to do it still? <laughs> so that's the funny thing. No, I wouldn't <laughs> because here's why. And um, when I went on that trip, my dad would. He went with me actually. Uh, and he he's a pretty handy guy. So like he would be able to do it. He was on that kind of like sub team. I was still young. I was just in high school. So the there was like some younger kids and then there was like adults as well. So I think the more like competent people handled the, the building, building of the chlorination yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And that's what they focused on the whole time. But we were kind of doing more of like, um, they we partnered with like one of the medical clinics that our church is like, you know, supporting. And um, a lot of kids are like a part of this vitamin program that they had. Mm-hmm. And so they would just have us like go... Um, literally around the village and just like give out these, these vitamins to these families. And, um, we also built, cause a lot of their floors were like just dirt floors. And so we'd bring these huge rolls of vinyl and like these staple guns and <laughs> just, really? like, yeah, just like spent the day just like stapling them to the floor. And then we had some like uh, beautiful fabrics that we also like put on the walls, um, because the walls were also made out of this kind of like mud concrete stuff that they would make. But yeah, we would we would make it like beautiful for them because the people we were we were serving were like dying of you know some kind of disease or like either AIDS or like cancer things like that. So, right. Yeah. So I just you know a way to to bless them and you know make their house look pretty. Yeah. So. <laughs> so on a typical missions trip, are you given a specific job to do, or is it sometimes are you given a job when you get there, or is it kind of up in the air? Mm. We're going to this country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what we're going to do. What do you think? I think you kind of just have to be flexible and like go with it. Yeah. You kind of just have to be like, okay, like this is the plan yeah, and this is like right. the intended purpose and we will like meet the purpose, but we have to be kind of flexible along the way. And yeah. since you're working with a team of people, I feel like everyone has different ideas about what will be the most effective with the limited time you have. Mm-hmm. Right. So you kind of just have to roll with it, I feel like. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Like they they definitely go with a purpose. Like you know, I it would be maybe it would be weird to be like just point on a map and be like they need us. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? And right, like, just like throw a dart on a map. Yeah, it's like let's go here. Right, yeah. right. And but like um, I think with church partnerships being in place, it helps us because the church actually you know it's it's not like you know we're like the rich Americans coming in to like save the day and like make Africa America like it's connecting with the actual local people who are living there and you know what what needs do you guys have and how can we just like give lift to that you know and so like 
Although yes, we like we would go on teams like the I for at least in my experience, it was like the locals that were telling us like what they needed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, right. So we would be with them all the time, and they would be like, "Hey, would you come to like this village or like?" you know come bring this with you today and stuff so yeah you're right being like being flexible and i feel like the most effective way to help people is to equip them to be able to care for themselves right right and that's what the point of the like because you're only there for like two weeks yeah however long you are so you want to be able to make the most impact you can yeah 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 i think that's important because i think a lot of times like charity goes so far but if we're not giving them the tools yeah. To do it on their own in the future, because we're not always going to be there. Yeah, Absolutely. it's like the saying, like give a man a fish, <laughs> feed him for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Our church, um, like in the meantime, they have. Well, I keep saying our church, but it's my parents' church. So the, yeah, the, my parents' church. They, you know, their you know missions section, whatever. They've done a good job at setting up. They call them microfinances. So giving them actual businesses so they're sustainable on their own and like a plan that you know okay we'll support this for you know this many years and we expect you to like do well at this and we they've seen that that's been really successful and just like building up the local economy which i think is awesome just to like help people flourish you know like not be a savior for someone because we can't (laughs) but like to yeah to teach them and help them flourish even like with my nurse i remember at westchester i think some of the nurses went on like i i guess they called it like a mission trip but it was to south africa and they they're having problem with um the midwives just didn't know how to like like help the mothers as they were giving birth and a bunch of mothers and babies kept dying and so they thought like the most effective thing they could do is go out and help hmm. and not only help but also like train the midwives hmm. how to have safer deliveries hmm. and i think like that's what you need to do because like if you're there for two weeks like you can save so many lives but if you do it if you train a midwife yeah then you save so many more you know what i mean yeah that that's sense. right yeah i mean we don't we can't live there i mean we could but i mean we don't you know so it's yeah yeah that's important. I think I think mission work is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool you guys both went on those experiences. Mm-hmm. But I guess a less significant question, because I had curiosity, because <laughs> I personally never <laughs> I've never traveled yeah. outside of the country other than like Canada and <laughs> a couple islands and stuff, nothing yeah. crazy. Um, what do you think? Because you were there for two weeks, correct? Or I'm not sure about your specific cases, but... Mine was like 10 days. I don't know. How Mine I... was like 10 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah, one was like... But the other trips were like six weeks. So what do you think was the biggest adjustment for you being in a third world country? Like not having the things, you know, people make jokes all the time. Like, well, it's a first world problem. Like what, yeah, oh like, what are some, what would you say were some third world problems for first world people? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I have a thought. I don't know if you have anything off the bat to share. You go first. Um, I don't know. This won't like directly answer the question. That's okay. It's kind of like what was as like a as a quote unquote first world person. What what kind of impact that made on me, and like yeah. So I went to Ethiopia when I was in high school. I was just finishing high school up, um, and so you know the, that's like a that was a formative time for me. And I think. Um, like the only other place that I had traveled to was Western Europe, you know, so like different, but like, okay, (laughs) you know, pretty comfy, you know, in terms of what, what we're used to in the States. Um, 
But I think, and I was telling Amy this uh, a couple, maybe it was like a week or so ago, or a month or, I don't know, but I was talking to her about what stood out to me about that trip specifically, and I remember, you know, spending so much time with uh, families, and especially children, noticing that, you know, throughout the 10 days that most of the children that I was seeing the whole time were, um, one, wearing like the same thing, um, and just realizing like how little people had. But on the flip side of that, how much joy that these kids had. What stood out to me was, um, yeah, just like the thought of, I don't know if I've ever seen like American kids as happy as these kids are like right now. And we like, as like American kids, like have so much more in terms of just like everything, like education, you know, resources, food, things like that. Um, but yeah, I've never seen such, such bright like beautiful smiles and just like joyful kids, you know, that were probably, you know, not in the best of situations. Mm -hmm. But I think for me in such a formative time, like becoming an adult about to go to college, that was, I think that was really significant, you know, to, to realize, you know, like what, what is the source of, of like life and happiness and joy you know, what is it? Is it in the things that we have, or is there something that I was missing? And I think mm -hmm. the answer to that was like yes. You know, like I was, I was missing something. You know, so right. Yeah, that did totally <laughs> answer your question, but I think it did. If anything, it, like it's important to recognize mm -hmm. that with a mission trip, like you are going there to help people, but at yeah. the same time, there's rewards in it for you as well. Yeah, having yeah. that kind of self discovery. Yeah, I remember one of, one of the guys who was leading the trip. He was like, you know, it's we do good stuff there. You know, it's like it's it's good things. And but he's like, you know, for especially for the younger people, he, he almost felt like the mission trips were for the people who were going. You know, it's like the the stories and the experiences that you get. I mean, they kind of they do they change you when you are in a different, yeah, totally different world. You know, yeah. And I think actually like Nicaragua is why I became a nurse in the first place was wow. because when I was there, I just remember I like walked into like this like old like hut and I walked in and this woman had like a crooked arm, wow. like just like totally, like it was unreal, like just bent and like her forearm like didn't have any, like barely any muscle left because like she couldn't like use it. And when we asked her, like, through the translator, like, we're like, well, what happened to your arm? And, like, how can we help you with it? Mm -hmm. And she said she had broken her arm as a child and had never been able to use it since because she just couldn't get the, med like, the medical care we just have, like, so easily available here. Wow. And so she lived her whole life with this, like, crooked arm. And then, like, the most we could do at that point was to, like, give her... Um, like I remember we gave her like this little exercise ball just so that it would build up more muscle like in her forearm so at least she'd get some more range of motions in her fingers and like hand but it was like wow. eye opening mm -hmm. and so then I think that's what like because I think mission trips like as much as they are for the people there it's also like like I think it's how I became a nurse and mm -hmm. then when I went to Africa Senegal Africa we went and we gave um, vaccines to homeless boys for a whole day mm. which was like crazy mm -hmm. and I think that's how I like discovered that like I loved helping people in that way and that it's a way to equip people to care for themselves if that makes sense yeah. I don't know if that makes sense definitely I also yeah. think that you answered the, the original question too is that <laughs> you're seeing how things to us are so simple yeah 
like that a broken arm for example is something we could fix that's like nothing just so crazy and then something like that has changed her life forever because yeah. she didn't have what we have here yeah so that's incredible so, would you recommend a mission strip? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think there's such so many good things in just getting out of your comfort zone in general. And um, this is definitely, I think, one of those things for a lot of reasons. You know, just going to a different culture is uncomfortable where you are the minority, where you don't speak the local language. You know, it's just, I think there's a lot of good things that come out of, like, uncomfortable experiences like that. Right. And I remember, like, for me in high school, I was a really shy guy. You know, I had friends, but I kept to myself. And I trips like these where, like, yeah, it was not comfortable and mommy and daddy weren't always around. I couldn't just, like, go home at the end of the day. I had to, like, wake up in the same place that I was that day, I think was... Um, really good for me <laughs> just like mm -hmm. developing as a human um, and trying to also understand other people who aren't like me as well and I think that's mm -hmm. just really important um, to begin yeah. just being able to sympathize with people who aren't the same as you you know I think it's like also like a huge wake-up call like that yeah. you are like not the only person in the world yeah, and like right. there's other people who like have needs and it opens your eyes and I think it makes you a little like I don't think I don't know how to describe this but it's just I think it's easier to become less like consumed with your own world and just be able yeah, to look great. and see other people and then to to be able to look at that poverty and that like and those wounds and to be able to be like what am I going to do with my life like what what is like what is the purpose here and what am I going to do with it if that makes sense yeah yeah that America is not the norm. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I think we fail to see that. Yeah. You know? And there's like a much bigger picture out there. And yeah. I think I think this is a great way to to be able to do that. Mm. To be able to see what else is out there and mm. how small you are compared mm. to everything else. Do the years add up to the suck? the blow of a breath and a beating heart there must be more you can wash your face at the sunset song but the lines will still remain they'll never be gone will you bully your land with a furrowed brown but king harvest leaves with a thinning crown you may bow your head as the hair recedes, but it's filled with years that no one can steal. Our last story is a little bit closer to home. So my cousin Hannah, she went to Canada, and she's been there a few times, um, but I feel like every time offers a completely different experience. Have you been to Canada? I have been to Canada. Like went, in Canada, or you just went to the Niagara Falls? Okay, so I was on the Canada side of Niagara Falls, but I camped in Canada. Okay. Like, I got a passport just to go to Canada. Like, how deep into Canada are we talking? Like, like if I was going to dive into a swimming pool, like, we did not dive into the deep end. 
Gotcha. So yeah. like five foot area? Or like yeah, it's like foot. five foot. Yeah. That's still a strong... That's move. still a lot. You're right. I would say not even... It's like the kiddie pool. Like, I'd have to lay down if I wanted to get completely Canada wet. Where is Hannah taking us on this Canadian trip? On this Canadian trip, she definitely goes further than Niagara Falls. Okay. And I believe she went on this trip to go to a Machine Gun Kelly concert. Let's hear it. So Hannah, when was the first time you went to Canada? When I was 18. Oh no, we went once as a family when I was young. Oh, that's right. We went to Niagara Falls. Yes, I forgot about that. That was the first time I went to Canada. And then, so what prompted the second time going to Canada? Um, being 18 and being able to drink, so my brother took me there for my birthday. Because it's legal there. And what's the drinking age in Canada? 18. 18. In Montreal. In the rest of Canada, it's 19. But in Montreal, it's 19. It's 18. The rest of the country is 19. Wow. So that's, is that the primary reason you went to Canada? Party and have a good weekend. Me, <laughs> John, and... Oh, to go see Machine Gun Kelly also. Wait, you saw Machine Gun Kelly in Canada? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was somewhere else. But that was that was the concert that you guys we went to. We saw him like three times, yeah. One of them was in Canada, yeah. And so how many times have you been to Canada in total? Three. Three times. So what do you enjoy about Canada other than drinking? Mm, I feel like, well, definitely the nightlife. Because I feel like I wish there was more nightlife like here. Um, the people there are like super cool. I like that. I'm not like someone, I would probably never aspire to go to Europe, like Paris or anything like that, but Canada is, especially like Montreal, is the closest thing you can get to like Paris without going to Europe because a lot of people that are from Montreal are from Europe and Paris, but they want like a less, um, as a couple of people from Montreal told me, they like the lifestyle of Montreal better, but it's still like European there, but they're not as like snobby. Gotcha. Yeah. So when you went to Canada, did you feel like it was a different country, or did you still feel like you were in America? Oh, no, definitely felt like a different country. I felt like I was in Europe, because everyone spoke. Did everyone have, like, a French accent? They, everyone speaks in French first, and everyone has a French accent. Like, that's their primary language That's their primary French. language. And then if you speak to them in English, they, like, automatically just, like, flip a switch. That's incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, it's in school, like, French is primary, and then um, um, English is secondary, like, for them. Sorry, now you're cutting your dad's hair. Okay, so what would you say is the craziest thing you did in Canada? Okay, so the craziest thing I did in Canada, when I was 19, we went back, a, I think it's the third time, but it was my second time with my brother. This time I was with different sets of friends. And we went out to the bars the night before, and it, we got really, really drunk. And the bars don't close there until, like, you're ready to leave. So as opposed to here when it's 2 o'clock. Yeah, they just, like, don't close until you feel like you want to be done partying for, I guess, the day or the morning. So I think we might have strolled out of there in the early hours of the morning. And on our stroll back, we uh, we walked past a tattoo shop. And I just strolled on in and got myself a little uh, maple leaf to remember that I was in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where is this maple leaf? Top left shoulder on my back. So it's in an appropriate spot. Nothing nothing trashy. I think I was so drunk that I just lay down on the bed and I just probably was like, put it here. <laughs> and so you decided on the maple leaf because it was Canada. Yeah. He said, what do you want? I said, do you take walk-ins? 
He said, yes. And I, he said, uh, what do you want? I said, I want something to remember Canada by. And he went on his little computer and pulled up a maple leaf and slapped it on there. You're like, that's the one. That's the one. That's what I want to remember Canada. Permanently tattooed on my back. And actually, the tattoo was very poorly done, so I get to live in that most of my life. <laughs> Is that, do you think that's a good representation of Canada? Um, I probably wouldn't have expected anything less, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the work coming out of that place was quite scary. <laughs> but then again, I was heavily intoxicated, so good memories. <laughs> so, year. so if you could give advice to someone who's going to Canada for the first time, or a place they have to go... What would you recommend? Do your research on tattoo shops before you pick one. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> and bring um, bring some like hangover recovery drink. What is that? Pedialyte? Bring some Pedialyte for the next morning. <laughs> <laughs>
Are you gonna get your passport? Yeah, it's been on the to do list for a while, so I'll get I'll get on that. You should. I should. You can go to the the post office. I'll do it for you. Yeah, maybe we'll have a quick uh, rundown on how to get your passport. That'd be good. So people can travel outside of the country. Yeah. So you could just Google it, and it'd be much easier. That's true. My passport picture is from like seven years ago. So you don't look any different. <laughs> but seriously, no, I don't. <laughs> Just longer hair. Right on. So, next episode is going to be summer camp. Please feel free to submit a story, and we will most likely talk about it. Yep, we'll keep that link in the description of this podcast episode. Um, and can we, that be anonymous, Drew? Of course. can always be anonymous. can always include your name, any details you want. Um, we do include an email there that you can follow up with. Um, and if you give us your email, we will always reach out to you. Um, huge thanks to Hannah Kim. Seriously. For submitting her story via the form. And thank you to uh, Naveen for taking the time to talk with us about his experience. And thank you to Ben and Amy. And Hannah. And Hannah. Um, so for this episode's playlist, um, we are actually dedicating it to um, Frightened Rabbit's frontman, Scott Hutchinson, who uh, went missing on May 9th. And, um, was discovered on May 11th of this year. Um, Scott committed suicide, um, which depression and mental health was a topic that he spoke um, very openly and bravely about through the lyrics um, in Frightened Rabbit, as well as um, his band Master System and Al John. So um, we've put together this playlist on Spotify, Dom, Vito, and I, to just remember some of our favorite bits of Scott's legacy. Um, we've actually seen Scott and the band a few times. Uh, we saw them in May of 2016, uh, the Friday before we graduated college. And then I saw him the summer, last summer, 2017, and then Dom, Vito, and I saw them just this year, actually, in February for the 10-year anniversary of um, their album, Midnight Organ Fight. So, yeah, so I think it's important to remember um, Scott by the music and the connections that he forged through the music. Um, I know for me, his lyrics certainly resonated, especially uh, transitioning into college. That was when I first dis discovered Frightened Rabbit. Um, but I think the memories that we have of their concerts, um, he was always very personable on stage and made sure everyone was laughing. Um, just this past February when we saw them, he made a joke about how vocal cords resemble vaginas. 
and how his vocal cord was a little limp. And even though he was sick and had trouble singing, he tried his hardest to really give us a good show and made us a part of it, which was really cool and I think a selfless thing to do. Because I can only imagine singing a full concert feeling like your vocal cords are ripping apart. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, trying to do whatever your trade is without your proper tools. Of course, we want to um, just give a few resources for anyone who feels like uh, they might not have an outlet. We will include several links in the bottom of this podcast, including the National Suicide Prevention Line, which you can reach by calling 1-800-273-8255. And you can also text Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Both of those services are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, Crisis Text Line is a really cool organization that you can text in and you are completely anonymous. So if these thoughts are something that you're struggling with or that you feel you aren't ready to um, publicly share, um, just know that there are people out there that want to listen to you and that your voice matters um, and that there's always a way through it, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. So go give Scott a listen. Um, I know we enjoy the Frightened Rabbit jams when they're randomly on coffee shop playlists lately, and of course, while we're driving. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. This has been In One. Until next time. To any me, it's pointless to anybody that doesn't have faith. Give me the cloth and I'll wipe my face When it's all